Welcome to MD Notified, a pediatric podcast, your source for high-yield, evidence-based pediatric medicine. I'm your host, Christine Sufchuk, and today we're going to be talking about acne. Acne is an important topic within pediatrics for a couple of reasons. One, it's definitely something you're going to see a lot. Up to 85% of teenagers have acne, so this is not an uncommon disease. And it can have a lot of side effects, right? We know that acne has a significant effect on a teenager's mental health, um, and acne can persist into adulthood. And if we get it controlled early, it can prevent post-inflammatory skin changes and skin scarring. But what is acne, and why do teenagers get it when, say, nine-year-olds don't? Well, a lot of it has to do with your hormones. When you start to go through puberty and your hormones are just raging, you have a lot of changes that happen throughout your body, but also in your skin. So one of those changes is that you have increased sebum production because of all of those hormones. And then kind of along that path, there are a couple other changes that kind of create this perfect storm uh, that makes acne go just completely haywire. So number one, you have the increased sebum production that's mostly due to hormones. Number two, your keratinocytes, which are those cells that are producing, um, you know, the skin that lines your hair follicles and your pores, those get a little irregular. And so the skin that's growing up out of your pores is a little bit more disordered and it can cause follicular plugging. And then the third and final etiology of acne in teenage years is the presence of P. acnes, which is a bacteria that is amazing because it's like the only bacteria that is aptly named. And this bacteria causes a lot of inflammation. So if you're wondering why does P. acnes, instead of, let's say, literally any other bacteria that lives on your skin, cause acne, it's because when it gets trapped in that follicle, along with all of that increased sebum production, that causes it to release a lot of immunogenic and pro-inflammatory debris. And that makes acne way worse. Also, that bacteria itself can stick to all of these toll-like receptors that are on your pro-inflammatory cells. And that just draws those pro-inflammatory cells in and makes them stick around longer. So the presence of P. acnes leads to tons of inflammation. And that inflammation gives you that red, bumpy look that we all know so well associated with acne. All right, so now that I've grossed you out talking about exactly how we get zits, let's talk about management of acne because that's what we really want to know, right? So we're just going to go through a bunch of different treatments of acne and then we'll run through sort of some common scenarios and things that may come up in clinic and how best to handle those. Okay, so if you've ever seen like an Instagram ad or a TV commercial for face products, you know that the best thing to do for your acne is wash a million times a day with a million different steps and just wash, 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 because being dirty is what gives you acne, right? No, that is completely wrong. And it's super important to tell your patients, you don't have acne because your face is dirty. This is not a hygiene issue. This is a teenager and a hormone issue, right? So advise your patients to wash with a gentle cleanser one to two times a day making sure that whatever they're using is not drying their skin out because that can actually make things worse. So then naturally, the next question you're going to get asked is, well, what over-the-counter acne creams can I use that are actually going to be beneficial for my acne? And one thing that's been proven to be effective is salicylic acid. So salicylic acid is an acid that's found in a lot of over-the-counter cleansers and creams. It works as a comedolytic agent, which means that it helps your pores become 
clogged less easily. Um, and it's less effective than a retinoid, but it is usually better tolerated. So it's a good place to start. Another topical acid is azelaic acid. Um, azelaic acid is a little bit stronger. It works as a comedolytic, but it also inhibits the growth of P. acnes. So you kind of get that dual action. It's a good alternative to topical retinoids because it is better tolerated. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is that it does also cause hypopigmentation. And so that's something that you're going to want to keep in mind when you're prescribing to darker skinned individuals who may not want that as a side effect. Um, azelaic acid is available as a 20% topical cream. It's also available over the counter and I think a 10% topical cream. And that's something that you can apply one to two times daily. The next medicine that we're going to talk about is really the star player in terms of mild acne treatment. And that's benzoyl peroxide or BPO. BPO works in three ways. So first, it's an anti-inflammatory, which is always great for patients who have inflammatory acne in particular. Second, it's bactericidal against P. acnes. And this is particularly important because it's actually a direct toxin, and that's how it kills P. acnes. So it's not an antibiotic, and that's actually working in our favor in this case because there's never been any resistance reported to benzoyl peroxide. And then the third way is similar to the topical acids like salicylic acid and azelaic acid. Benzoyl peroxide is a comedolytic, and so it kind of streamlines the way your skin and your epithelium is formed around your pores and causes them to be less likely to become clogged. Benzoyl peroxide does have some side effects, and those are mostly redness, peeling, and irritation. And those side effects will go away with consistent use, but it can take a couple of weeks for those to completely go away. So when you have a teenager who's kind of expecting improvement over the next couple of days or maybe even a week, you got to really counsel them and tell them that it might take a couple of weeks of consistent use for this product to work. The second thing is, is uh, benzoyl peroxide can actually stain your clothing and bleach it. So um, this is a medicine that I like to give as a once daily formulation for that exact reason. Um, so patients will do a 5% gel at night um, and that kind of gets rid of the risk that they'll ruin their clothes in the morning because we do see patients who put this medicine on their face and then it ends up bleaching kind of like the collar of their t-shirt. So what I like to tell people is get a new white pillowcase, get a white t-shirt for you to wear to bed and then just don't worry about it. Uh, but do know that this is one of the side effects. Okay, so if you have a patient who has mild acne, we discussed that topical acids and benzoyl peroxide are good places to start. But if those don't work, or if you have a patient who has moderate acne, you can progress and kind of move forward to a couple of different options. One of those different options is topical retinoids. Now, topical retinoids work by regulating how the epithelial lining of the pore is formed. And so that makes it less likely to become plugged because the epithelium is nice and smooth. Now, remember, these medications are derivatives of vitamin A, and they're going to have a side effect profile kind of similar to what we've already been talking about. So that includes dryness, irritation, um, maybe some redness as well. But the difference is that a higher percentage of people will experience these side effects with these medications. So you kind of got to keep that in mind. 
these medicines can be good for people who have oily skin because of the side effect of dryness. It doesn't affect them as much. Um, but if you have a patient who has a history of dry skin or a history of atopic dermatitis or eczema, those are things that should make you a little bit more wary when you're thinking about prescribing a topical retinoid to a patient. So we've gone through a couple generations of topical retinoids, but really the most popular on the market now are third generation topical retinoids. Those are things like adapalene and tazeratine, both of which are third generation topical retinoids. Um, and so because of that, they are more receptor selective, they're better tolerated, and importantly, they are more stable when mixed with benzoyl peroxide in combination medications. And this is key, right? Because if you have a patient who has failed mild acne treatment or who starts off with moderate treatment and you think that the best thing to do for them would be to add a topical retinoid, why not add it in a combination medication? The downside to these medications is that sometimes they can be expensive, sometimes insurance can't cover it, um, but in general, if you can get it and your patient has access to it, these are a good option to choose. Now, when prescribing these medications to patients, you want to give good anticipatory guidance. The side effects are dryness, redness, and irritation, as we've already discussed. But those side effects typically peak around two weeks of use. And so what will typically happen is we'll start a patient off at once every other day. And then after, let's say, a week, say, okay, now you're ready to go to once every night. Um, and then that'll kind of slowly ease them into this medication and hopefully minimize those side effects. The other thing that you want to warn patients about with topical retinoids is that they may initially result in a paradoxical worsening of acne because those deep comedones are brought to the surface. And so you just got to counsel them and say that it's those deep comedones coming to the surface. Once that kind of is done, you should see a marked improvement in your acne. In addition to topical retinoids, topical antibiotics are very popular in terms of augmenting therapy for patients who have either mild acne, who have failed the first-line treatments, or who have moderate acne. Um, and these are very safe and effective. Most commonly, we'll use topical clindamycin or topical erythromycin. Both of these antibiotics have been shown to have anti-inflammatory effects, um, and so that's why they work so well for uh, mostly for inflammatory acne and combination style acne. So the way I like to remember this is I say to myself, inflamed, if you have inflamed acne, that A will tell you that you should maybe add a topical antibiotic, which starts with A, to that regimen. Typical examples of topical antibiotics are topical clindamycin, which is usually available in a gel form, 1% and topical erythromycin, which is usually a 2% gel. Now, similar to the topical retinoids, we can combine topical antibiotics like topical clinda and topical erythromycin with benzoyl peroxide into a one single combined gel or cream. If your patient has access to them and it makes their life easier, it's a great choice. Okay, so now I've covered most of the topical treatments that we use to treat acne. Um, and we're going to delve a little bit deeper into the systemic medications that we can use. And the most common one that we'll use is systemic antibiotics. Similar to topical antibiotics, systemic antibiotics are both anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial against P. acnes. 
Um, and typical choice for that would be doxycycline. It's interesting with doxycycline because they've done some studies at both antibacterial doses and at subtherapeutic doses, and they found benefit with both doses. So typically, the therapeutic dose would be anywhere from 50 milligrams to 100 milligrams of doxycycline daily. And the subtherapeutic dose, meaning that it's not quite enough antibiotic to actually provide what we think is an antibacterial effect, that dose is 40 milligrams of doxycycline extended release daily. Both of those have been studied and both of those have been proven to be effective, um, so both are good options for your patients. Less commonly, minocycline has been used to treat acne. However, it has a little bit more side effects of nausea, some vomiting, has been shown to have some drug reactions associated with it, so this is less commonly used. It's also important to remember that we usually don't use systemic antibiotics alone. So if you're putting a patient on a systemic or oral antibiotic, you're also going to have them on some topical medications. Okay, so aside from oral antibiotics, the other oral medication that we have in our tool belt as primary care pediatricians is oral contraceptive medications. Now, these are great because honestly, with most female teenagers, you can kill two birds with one stone. You can provide safe, effective birth control and regulate their acne. So we talked about earlier how uh, hormone surges during puberty will cause a lot of sebum production and that can really exacerbate any pre-existing acne. So regulating those hormone cycles can really do a lot to tone that acne down. It is important to note that not every oral contraceptive is effective against acne. Um, and so the progesterone-only oral contraceptives may actually worsen acne, while combined OCPs, estrogen, and progesterone will improve acne. And finally, patients who have really severe acne or who haven't completely responded to our initial therapies in the pediatric office, we will go ahead and send them to dermatology where they will probably get isotretinoin, which is a very, very strong retinoid that is given orally, and it's super effective um, for severe acne. You may have heard the brand name Accutane. That is isotretinoin. So this is like our last line therapy. However, before you send your child to dermatology, you want to make sure you give them good anticipatory guidance, again, so that they will understand and kind of have those expectations set for what's going to happen when they get there. And they really need to have this understanding that um, this is not a medication that we give lightly. It comes with a lot of frequent lab checks, blood draws. We check their cholesterol levels. In females, we do frequent pregnancy testing. We follow their LFTs very closely. So they will be going back to the dermatologist frequently um, for checkups and for lab draws. I mentioned this briefly, but it is kind of important and it warrants going over again. Female patients who get Accutane or who get isotretinoin will need to be on an effective form of birth control, and they will also need frequent pregnancy testing because this is a very teratogenic medication. Okay, so we made it to the end. We have covered most of the major medications used to treat teenage acne. 
So the final thing that I want to run through is how to choose the right regimen for your patient. And in order to do this, I want to keep three things in mind. Number one, is the acne mostly comedonal or mostly inflammatory? Comedonal is just a fancy word that means plugged pores, and it can be whiteheads, blackheads, that kind of thing. Inflammatory acne, we all know well. It means it's red, it's puffy, it looks inflamed. So if it's mostly comedonal, that acne will typically respond better to retinoids because remember, those are comedolytics. They help your pore epithelialize in a more organized fashion, and that subsequently helps the pore keep from becoming clogged. Alternatively, people who have inflammatory acne typically respond better to topical antibiotics. Remember, I said I like to think inflamed, that A in inflamed means that you should maybe think of adding a topical antibiotic, which starts with A, onto your regimen. Both respond well to combined medications, where it's either topical retinoid or topical antibiotic, combined with benzoyl peroxide, because benzoyl peroxide works for everything. Second, you want to ask yourself, is this acne mild, moderate, or severe? And use your judgment. You can Google pictures and kind of familiarize yourself with what mild acne looks like and what severe acne looks like. But ultimately, when it's you and the patient in the room, you're going to have to make that decision. Is it mild, moderate, or severe? Mild acne, we typically can start with topical therapies like topical benzoyl peroxide or a topical acid. If it's failing that or if it's a moderate acne, you could use a combination therapy, topical benzoyl peroxide and a retinoid, or topical antibiotic and a benzoyl peroxide. Or you could even switch to an oral antibiotic and then on top of that, use a topical benzoyl peroxide with a topical retinoid combination. And lastly, if it's severe acne, you may need to start with an oral antibiotic with the dual or triple topicals. If it's super severe or if it really doesn't respond to anything, refer to dermatology for possible isotretinoin. And then the last thing you want to keep in mind is, is there a history of sensitive skin or atopic dermatitis in this patient? Because even if they were to have mostly comedonal acne, if they also have a history of atopic dermatitis, choosing a topical retinoid may not be your best option because that patient is already predisposed to sensitive skin that may be dry and maybe irritable, and a topical retinoid um, could potentially exacerbate those problems. So just kind of keep that in mind as well. All right, so we've covered all of the medications that we typically use for acne. I do want to say that on our website, mdnotified.com, we have a quick notes version that really nicely summarizes all of this information. And as an added bonus at the bottom, we have a couple clinical examples. So if you want to listen to this podcast and then kind of look through that and see um, how this sort of information applies to different clinical scenarios, be my guest. It is free. It is online. It is available for you guys to download and use in whatever way is best for you. I am Christine Sufchuk. It was a pleasure having you on with me today. This is MD Notified, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to MD Notified, a pediatric podcast. References to the information sourced in this episode can be found in the Quick Notes outline, which is available on mdnotified.com. The contributors to MD Notified have no financial disclosures or conflicts of interest. 
The views, information, or opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals in today's episode and do not represent any other organizations or its employees. The primary purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. This podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice or services. If you are a member of the general public and have questions, please make an appointment with your local board-certified pediatrician. Thank you.